Welcome to the Pulse of the Prairies podcast, brought to you by Saskatchewan Pulse Growers. Here we share information about farm practices, pulse markets, research outcomes, market development efforts, and much more. My name is Sarah Anderson, and I am Agronomy Manager with SPG. Today I'm talking with Greg Bartley, Director of Crop Protection and Crop Quality with Pulse Canada. Our discussion will cover the latest details on the Lambda Cyhalothrin label changes, and subsequent product recalls for Western Canada and how this will impact pulse growers. Greg, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Sarah. Glad to join you again. Before we discuss the regulations and and label changes, can you orientate us a little bit with the Lambda active ingredient and sort of what products it's found in? Yeah, of course. So, so Lambda Zahalthrin is obviously a very important insecticide product to, to the agriculture industry as a whole. It's a, it's a pyrethroid. It's found on, on a variety of different product labels. Um, typically, the products that we think or, or know of in the marketplace would be you know, Syngenta's Matador or Volume Express or Adama's Silencer. Uh, there, there are many others, but I'd say these are the, are the most uh, uh, prevalent ones they see in the market. You know, when, when we think of what these products are used for, I'd say typically, you know, most common would be, you know, flea beetle control and canola or or especially grasshoppers in, in many different crops, including pulse crops. Uh, that's that's typically where we see Lambda Cyhalothrin come in as an important tool for growers. Syngenta recently made the decision to pull their Lambda Cyhalothrin products, so including Matador and Volume Express from the Western Canadian market in 2023. Um, what led up to this decision? Yeah, so I'm I'm actually going to take you take you back in time, and, and we're going to go quite quite a bit uh, back to when the reevaluation was initiated. So so this would have been in oh I forget the year it'd be 2011 2012 let's let's just say around that time frame where where Lambda Cyhalothrin was first the the reevaluation was first initiated during that process you know it goes through the PMRA timelines we we jump to the the proposed decision where the PMRA makes a proposed decision on on that reevaluation process and and this was released in June June 23rd of 2017 now at this time that the PMRA actually proposed to cancel all food and feed uses of lambda cyhalothrin very concerning um so at that time you know the the industry members got together to make sure um you know what we can provide the pmra to to refine the risk assessment and and see if we can retain the 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 uses on crops as it's extremely important so so there's a lot of push then and and the additional data was provided and you know we, we get to the final decision that was provided in you know april 29th of 2021 and this is where the PMRA uh, retained many of the crop uses. You know, we saw this as great news as as we went from cancelled to to retaining those uses on crops. So we, we were very excited to see that. However, we we did notice that uh, the PMRA did still uh, cancel all feed uses on the label, and and this is where the the concerns uh, really come from. So what this means is is that uh, growers can can potentially use it on the crop, but when it comes to feeding that crop to, to animal uses, this is what's been cancelled. Can you maybe describe it in a little bit more detail? Like what constitutes as livestock feed? Like really, why is this problematic when most of our crops are being you know sent for human consumption? 
Yeah, so what, what constitutes the livestock feed is essentially anything that's fed to livestock. So this could be your forage, this could be, you know, when, when we think of our grains, you know, any any raw commodity that's fed to livestock. But it also could be, say, our, our screenings. You know, if your crop is cleaned, those screenings could could be fed to livestock or during the uh, processing steps. So if we think of canola, you know, canola is crushed for oil and then that meal is sent for livestock feed. Like all of those count towards, towards feed livestock. So you can imagine the the, the complexity that, that this creates in terms of, you know, applying Lambda-Sahalothrin as a crop use, but then trying to distinguish that that feed use in, in our, our system. And and really that's that's what's led to to Syngenta making that decision to to pull their product from the market is is there's there's a lot of confusion around it. And really when you look at the feasibility of actually trying to distinguish between food versus feed in the marketplace is is extremely difficult. To the point of almost being impossible, knowing if if lambda was treated on a crop, how do you make sure it doesn't get into a, a feed use, knowing how how our grain handling system works? Right, absolutely. So just just to be clear, there wasn't any changes to the MRLs or to exports um, on that regard, really, just on the the feed regulation side. Yeah, so since it was just the feed use, I mean, there's other crops that got cancelled too. Like we did see a, a mustard use pattern get cancelled as well. So it's not just feed that got cancelled, but in terms of the, the crop uses that were maintained, so let's say pulses for specific, uh, there's nothing changes with those MRLs. Those MRLs are in place and, and nothing in terms of export standpoint is is a problematic. Um, the only thing that's changed in terms of MRLs would be for that, the the livestock considerations. So we're, we're seeing the, the, I believe it's the the, the fat and meat MRLs for livestock being dropped to a 0.01 parts per million level. And and that's where, okay. that's the dietary concern that's been highlighted and, and where those MRLs have dropped. Does, does this impact, you know, obviously there was, there was a lot of Lambda containing products that were sprayed on the 2022 crop. D- does that carry over to, to grain that we have stored now, or is that a little bit uncertain at this point? Yeah, so the, there's there's an implementation implementation timeline. So so maybe I'll just clarify that. So when the PMRA made their decision in in 2021, that initiated a 24 month time frame in terms of when labels were needed to be updated on on products on products. So the product label must be updated before it could be sold or used in Canada. Um, and then there's another year after that where the MRLs take place too. So there's there's a time frame to implement implementation time frame that that allows for that specific situation where, you know, if you have crop that's currently treated, you know, how does it make through its way through the, you know, through through the storage system and and carryovers, things like that, to make sure that we're, we're still in compliance as this is being phased in. So eventually it, it will come into place where when those MRLs do drop, that's where we need to be, um, you know, ensuring that crops that have, were treated with lambda health are, in, are obviously compliant to to make sure that we're not exceeding those those meat MRLs if if fed. Okay, and and so we sort of led the discussion talking about it through the the Syngenta um, side side of their recall announcement. But can you touch on how this may impact other products that contain lambda? Um, maybe some of the generic brands have those been pulled from the market as well. 
Yeah, so the, the label changes impact all, all Lamsa Health and products. So, you know, there's a focus on Syngenta is that they're the main registrant. You know, they're the ones of the data package and, and are defending the use pattern. But uh, the decision really applies to all products. So what we saw with, with Syngenta recalling their product and indicating they're not bringing it back to the marketplace for 2023 growing season, it's it's still uncertain how, how the other players are, are handling this one. So I believe we do have indication from Adama that they have also recalled their product from retail locations with the intent to to update that label if they need to. But we're we're still unclear if if that product will be brought back to the to the marketplace for the 2023 growing season. You know, there's a lot of unanswered questions that we need to to get answers to and a clarity on in terms of what that might mean if product were available for for this growing season and and how we meet these these new requirements. In terms of you know a generic uh, perspective, you know, for for example, Sharda. Um, I, I think we're in wait and see mode. Uh, I, I don't believe we've got any indication at this point what that might be. So there, there may be potential where where we do see product on the market for next growing season. But at this time, we're we're still trying to 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 understand, you know, how feasible this is, knowing that it, it's pretty difficult to to manage this if if lambda was was applied on crops and and how how the different companies are trying to to navigate that. Perfect. Um, and and this maybe is outside of your your scope of control, but you know, April's not too far away. Do we have any indication of like when we may sort of know with more certainty what product selections we might have? It's, you know, we, we don't know. Like, obviously, there, it's it's going on. Um, I'll, I'll tell you this, like the the level of attention this is getting from, from commodity organizations that are representing farmers, speaking with the PMRA, speaking with other government departments, working with the registrants to come to a solution is is off the charts you know it's our number one priority and, and we're working around the clock to to find a solution in terms of you know what the next growing season look like it's, it's too too early to tell i'd say at this point prepare for the worst we don't know which way it's going to go I'd, I'd like to be you know in a position where, where i'm hopeful that growers have access to the product for the 2023 growing season but it's it's not unfeasible to start thinking what alternatives are there but you know, we we do know the challenge in that. We we do know the alternatives on the market will not be able to fill the gap that Lamsdai Halthorn has in in the marketplace right now. You know, it's 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 too late with our supply chain challenges and be able to ramp up product. Um, you know, we've got indication from the other registrants of alternative products that they are working to to fill that gap and and they will bring more product to the market. It's just we we know there's not enough. Especially when you look at, you know, the, the grasshopper risk map in, in Saskatchewan already released, uh, it's extreme levels in, in some certain areas of the problem. So we know it's going to be a, a, a challenge. We're, we're working on it. Um, we're, we're hopeful that we'll be able to come to the solution sooner rather than later to give that predictability to the industry. But um, at this point, it's, it's truly to say, you know, what that might look like. Um, these other, you know, alternative active ingredients, you certainly have highlighted the, the just supply challenges to to sort of ro- rotate and, and react to such a big, big um, active ingredient void in the marketplace. But is there, you know, any other reasons that maybe sometimes these uh, alternative active ingredients aren't what should be used or or do they offer some, you know, some pretty decent solutions depending on pest? 
Yeah, I think you got to look at the specific products and understand where they fit best in in controlling that pest. Like we do know certain products are better at controlling, you know, adult pests versus a juvenile stage. We do know that different timings during the the growing season, you know, early in the season versus late in the season. We do we do know some products work better than others. I'm not going to get into the specifics specifics of the product, but we do know it's just not a blanket. You apply X product at any time of the year. You know, that's that's just not how these products work. And and we do know that they're best best suited at certain times. So I think when we're looking at the alternatives is, is trying to manage or line up that application timing where we know that efficacy provides the best control. And I think it's important that, you know, we, we stay on top of the, the problem the early this growing season. You know, if we do anticipate that, you know, let's say grasshoppers are are potentially going to be be problematic, you know, getting there early, control those juveniles. You know, this this is general you know, information that we'd provide at, at any time, the, at any time, regardless of, of products, you know, control those uh, problems as early as we can. And I think just going into this next growing season, it, uh, an extra emphasis on that might, might go a long way to, to make sure that we're getting the control that we have with the products on the market. Correct. Yeah, really, really highlights the need for a, a proactive um, pest management plan. Um, is there any other advice that you can offer to growers in terms of next steps or what they should be doing to be proactive if the worst case scenario does happen? Yeah, no, I say definitely keep an eye on it. Um, I think communication is going to be a, a, a huge piece on this one. Like I'd, I'd like to see a scenario where we do have access to Lamsay Health in this growing season and it's, and it's accept, acceptable. You know, I think we will get to a point where that will be the case eventually. It's just not, it's just uncertain of, of what timeline that looks like. So in terms of growers, I think, you know, proactively Looking at the alternatives uh, on the marketplace, you know, if you're able to to secure those early in advance, talk to retail locations, see what's available, let them know what your needs might be. You know, it's it's just becoming this. I, I think the the good practice is right now knowing how we've gone through supply chain challenges in the past, and you know how how important that will be again for this growing season too. So again, that proactive planning, do what you can to to secure the product you might think you need, and um, stay on top of those pest pressures if possible. Anything else you want to add, Greg? You know, at this point, again, just highlighting, you know, we're we're working on this um, quite extensively. You know, we've been advocating for farmers for quite some time, you know, ever since this, the final decision was released. You know, we've met with the PMRA shortly after the decision was released, highlighting the specific scenario where, you know, this risk mitigation option that was provided was unworkable. We do know that food versus feed distinction is is not something that we can really differentiate with how our green handling system is set up. And we've, we've asked the PMRA to, to prioritize finding a solution to the issue too. Uh, so we followed up a couple of times. Uh, I actually just had another call here today. You know, we're talking December 20th here uh, with the PMRA again on this issue. So we're we're still working and and we're, we're doing our best to, to see if we can come to a solution uh, to this problem as soon as we can. Wonderful. Well, we appreciate your efforts and, and your insights today. That wraps up our discussion today. I want to give a big thank you to Greg Bartley for joining us and thank you to everyone for tuning into this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss upcoming episodes. To stay up to date with SPG, you can subscribe to our mailing list on our website. We send regular updates, keeping you informed on global markets, new technologies and trends in pulse production. Thank you for tuning in to the Pulse of the Prairies podcast.